1: Well, away we go
2: with Brian Driscoll. What a day. <laughs> hey! What a day. Day in the life, That's right? right? Day in the life. Goodness gracious. What uh, are you going to do? You're, you're going to be on the phone all day. <laughs> this is one of those days, Sean, where you just kind of say, oh, I'm so glad I had unlimited text and talk. <laughs> like, <laughs> whew, okay. Catch so your some, breath. So some news today, Sean, huh?
1: Yes. A little bit. A <laughs> little bit of big news. Jack Swarbrick stepping down as athletic director Notre, Notre Dame of course made the announcement this morning I was in the middle of doing something else like we always are when this kind of stuff mm-hmm. happens I, I got a text that didn't really spell anything out of course I go to Twitter and and there it is so Swarbrick's going to step down they've got a, a a succession plan in place Notre Dame alum and current N- NBC Sports chairman Peter Bavakwa is going to take the helm in the meantime for the next year, beginning this July first, Bavakwa is going to essentially work as Swarbrick's understudy. He's going to be the special assistant to the president for athletics. Uh, so it's it's uh, it's big news. I, I know that this is going to hit on different sides. Some people oh, yeah. are going to love it. Some people are going to hate it. Other people, because of you know what you're going to read into this, you know, are going to have some uh, trepidation. Sure. I guess we'll just. Sure. Start with you and and what you think of this, Brian.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
2: Well, you know, it's interesting, Sean. I had a lunch on campus about a year ago with uh, a guy who's a pretty big donor at Notre Dame, and this was a name that was kind of floated to me about a possible replacement for Jack Swarbrick uh, about that time. And uh, former head of the PGA as well, and that was one of the things that was was kind of discussed was obviously he's run a uh, – he. the concern is if it was only in the media side, it's like, well, does that really prepare you for doing this job? But, you know, he's run the PGA and – you know Notre Dame is more like a big business like that than it is like Duke or Vanderbilt or I mean, it's just a different animal being the athletic mm-hmm. director at Notre Dame. So this isn't an expect an unexpected move, Sean, from the standpoint of Jax Warburg being gone. I mean, how many years have you and I been hearing that that, oh well, this is his last year, this is his last year? And, and I honestly believe, yep. yeah, if not for COVID, I honestly think he would have retired already. I really do. I just feel like when that all went down and the challenges that, that arose, there was always something that it was like, well, I need to see this through. I think the timing of this makes a ton of sense. You're, I, my understanding, this is this is not, I'm not telling you facts. I'm just telling you what I've been told by people who would have a better idea than, than us, that the the expectation is the TV deal and the apparel deal will likely be done before this transition is finalized. Now, obviously, Pete's going to be part of that process now, right? Since he is he is now going to, at least as of now, in uh, July first, will be employed by Notre Dame. I, d- I don't believe either's done right now, but the understanding is is that Jack is going to have a still have a big role in finalizing those deals. And now you've got the new guy coming in as Which, well with that.
1: And I think that's important because, like, you look at where Jim Phillips is out there in the ACC and everybody talks about this bad TV deal that the ACC got Jim Phillips inherited that out there and he's been left to deal with it. So right. uh, I think it's, I think it's very good that, that Pete Pavakwa can be part of this, part of the negotiations with, with these deals getting right. done, and not just be, Left with someone else's contract you know whatever it happens to be right
2: because he's going to inherit a lot of brand new coaches Mm -hmm. i mean that that's the right he's not going to be making a football change most likely anytime soon a women's basketball change a men's basketball change hopefully none of those three things are happening anytime soon so the three new hires and we'll get into all that later are kind of there it's going to be basically what are you going to do with these money deals what are you going to do with uh and these are areas where i'm actually confident that this is going to get done this guy that was the head of you know nbc sports sean i mean uh, NBC Sports Group. So I, I know you've got some feelings on that that we'll get into here in a little bit, but that's all part. I'm like, I'm okay. Those deals will be good. I mean, he, this guy knows the business. As long as he's not a complete, you know, boob, uh, he's going to be able to come in and 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 know how to get those and know the value. He's a Notre Dame alum. Obviously, played as a walk on under Lou Holtz, so he he's familiar with the, the Notre Dame football tradition. The other side of that, though, is my concern. The flip side of it is with the money stuff and, and all those type of things, I feel real confident that, uh, that, that he's going to thrive there. Cause that's what we know he can do. He can work those deals. You don't get the head of the PGA. You don't get to be the head of the NBC sports group. If you don't know how to make deals that are going to benefit you and your client the, but there's a lot of other things that are facing Notre Dame and college football, college athletics that I don't know how he's going to handle those NIL, the legislature, uh, em, em, being employees and all those type of things mm-hmm. and, and, and players being you know, I don't know where he's going to stand on those I don't know what background he has on those so those are always some of the unknowns and Jack Swarbrick you know conference realignment those type of things um, it, the NCAA is going to live or die <laughs> all those kind of things and we kind of know where Jack Swarbrick stood on those I don't know his experience with those things or his belief on those things or whatever that case may be. So that parts, the unknown, the business side looks like it's going to be smooth. This other side uh, is the one that's a little bit more of a, of a question mark. Not that he's not going to do a good job. It's just how the heck can I know? Cause he has no experience working in that, in that universe. Right. He, uh, you look
1: at his background. He's a very sharp guy. He's never worked directly directly. In college athletics, you know, the, the closest thing is just this relationship with Notre Dame being the chair of NBC Sports. But like you said, you know, he's he's worked with, you know, he's worked in golf. He's worked with the PGA. He, he got a lot of but he graduated from Notre Dame in 93 and then got a law degree from Georgetown four years later. And he's really kind of skyrocketed up the charts. He was in, you know, like the, the, the 40 under 40 list, you know, a few years back, you know, when he was a little bit. Younger, he is a 93 Notre Dame alum, so he's north of 40 now, like a lot of us. But, you know, just he's, I think one of the the big things as you look back over his resume is he has, as you said, the business side, he has experience on both sides of these TV deals, like when you look at the upcoming TV deal, as an example, both You know, signing rights deals when he was with the PGA and also, of course, signing rights deals in the four years since he's been with NBC between the NFL and, you know, other, you know, the Big Ten uh, deal being the biggest recent one, that Big Ten contract bringing Big Ten football, you know, primetime football to NBC
2: and all that kind of stuff. So he's worked on on both sides of this over the course of his career. And that's the interesting part, right? Isn't that, I mean, that ultimately what drives a lot of this success, Sean, is are you able to negotiate those deals that are going to benefit your, your institution? Right. Those are things that, that like, okay, with him and Jack sorbrick now both involved in this, it's going to, it's, you know, you feel good that Notre Dame's going to get some big deals. I, I had a, I had somebody reach out to me yesterday. Who's um, sort of a big wig at Notre Dame. Somebody that, that uh, was one of the people that, that, Got me the news that Marcus Freeman deal was done, you know, which allowed us to break that Irish breakdown broke that on our board. Uh, th- that news, and he's one of those guys that's kind of always been on top of, hey, this is what's going on because he has access to that. And one of the things he told me, I mean, he, I, I can't throw numbers out. He asked me not to throw numbers out, Sean, but the thing he told me is, is, is the 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 range that they're now talking about with the TV deal that the negotiations are now centered around, just looking at the Notre Dame money. You're going to talk about a double to potentially close to tripling what their current TV revenue is. If this is the kind of hire that maybe helps take them over the finish line, you're adding a, a guy that, that that knows how to how to get these big deals done. You know, I mean, look, let's be real. If you're if you're part of the PGA, if you're the head of the PGA Tour, if you're part of the NBC Sports Group, you're negotiating much bigger deals than what Notre Dame's going to get. You know what I mean? Cause you're working with the whole big 10 conference and you're working with the whole PGA and those type of things. So this is a guy that, that has experience doing that. Now you have another, let's just say heavyweight in this conversation, Sean, you, you now say, okay, those numbers that I was given yesterday, and this doesn't even include the ACC money. And I gave you the range, you know, off, off air. Those are going to be some big moves. If he's able to, kind of help f- finalize that kind of deal and that's just the tv deal we're not even talking about what the apparel deal is going to be because the apparel deal is probably gonna I mean it's gonna have to happen before the tv deal because the apparel deal expires before the T right. it's technically kind of the, the negotiation window has already expired yeah for that where the tv deal has a little bit more uh, of a little bit longer life on it so that part of it sean it's hard to complain about that it's it's the other side can he does he know how to run an athletic department you know, what's his hiring and firing process going to be like? What's his, what's his relationship going to be like with conference commissioners? What's his relationship going to be like with the college football playoff committee, with all the different, you know, the organizations that Jack Swarbrick's been a, 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 a mover and shaker in, you know? And, and when we talk about uh, the college football playoff expansion, it was a couple ADs and and another guy and then Jack Swarbrick, you know, is 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 Pete Bavacqua going to be part of that? Is he going to have carried that same weight? Those are all questions that I think are fair to ask. It's not, I don't, I won't assume the negative or the wrong. It's just, those are the, those are going to be the things that are ultimately going to determine the long-term success of this hire. I think the immediate success, Sean, is going to be with these, when these deals come out, we're going to like, Hey, I think people are going to be happy with the numbers that, that Notre Dame is going to get on those two deals. He's going to be the guy that's taken over in that, that sort of that universe. So I think the start is going to be strong. The question is going to be: Can he handle the other side, the non-revenue side of running the Notre Dame athletic department? Which, let's be honest, Sean, is a completely different animal than any other AD job in in America. Let let's yeah. be let's be real about that. You're right. It's
1: it's one thing to crunch numbers and and you know deal in con. You know again, he's a lawyer, so to be able to deal in contracts and the details of these contracts. but now there's obviously much more interpersonal relationships that come into play when you're talking about all the different coaches that you are you're the boss of. I do find it interesting that just a few weeks ago, and I, I, we touched on this briefly on uh, on IB Nation sports talk, when Marcus Freeman and a bunch of his assistants went to the Kentucky Derby with their wives. They were the guest of Pete Bavacqua down there. And he was, you know, NBC obviously televising the Kentucky Derby, but they were his guests down there. So it, it sounds like he spent a lot of time with the most important, <laughs> not to take away any importance from any other coach, but, you know, being completely honest, he spent some time with the most important coach at Notre Dame before he became his boss and and with a lot of guys on that staff as well. So I think that that's at least, you know, was was maybe sort of uh, a glimmer of the importance that he saw in that, you know, maybe being able to spend some time with those guys down there at an event like that.
2: But, as, you know, I said earlier, Sean, that one of the things is, is, is I was told, like I said, this was a name that was mentioned to me over a year ago. This is not something that just happened within the last three days. Another thing that I was told today is this wasn't even originally going to get released today. It's going to happen somewhat soon but it started to get released today because there were start people were starting to starting to kind of get out a little bit and so notre dame had to speed up the process a little bit of, of making the announcement and so uh that's another aspect of but this this has been something that's been in the works for a while this wasn't decided like a two weeks ago you know like i guarantee when he met with marcus freeman this was the direction they were going to go and um you know, I, I think, and you know, again, this is a, a Notre Dame alum that played football at Notre Dame. I think he was a punter. He was a walk-on mm-hmm. walk Notre on punter. Walk on punter. Yeah, right. So I mean, so so you you'd, you'd hope, you'd hope that he's someone who's going to come in with an uh, an understanding of of what the football team means to the university and the community. You'd I think mean, he's know that
1: know, I mean, he was here during the Lou Holtz era, and during the during the great period the, of the Lou the, Holtz. Era, yes, right. the great Lou Holtz, right after the national championship, and up until you know a team that that I think as you detailed on Twitter, very easily could have won another championship yes. if not playing for Miami, and then of course the '93 team that lost to Florida State that could have won a championship. He was a walk-on punter on that team, so I mean, he's. I, I don't think that that the importance of independence and things like that, you know, all these different things are going to be lost on a guy like Peter Rovacqua. I wanted to go back real quick to what you were saying about the uh, the news starting to get out. I talked to Neil Ivy this morning and we're actually we recorded an interview. It's going to be on mm-hmm. Ivy Nation Sports Talk tonight. But we were originally supposed to record it at 11 a.m. We had to push it. I got a text we, that we had to push it back a couple of hours. It was because of this announcement and she woke up this morning and the other coaches woke up this morning, knowing nothing about this announcement coming. They got over there and this is what they found out. You know, they all, right. all the, all the coaches were summoned, summoned to uh to this space when, when they were told about what was going on. So you're right. Like it, when you know you you know how it is, especially at a place like that. When news does start to seep out, really the only way to control it is to kind of do just, what you just said. Let's yeah, go come ahead out and get it out there. Right. Yeah, that's right. None of these. Right. None of the coaches knew what was going to happen this morning before the right. announcement was made. My
2: my thought is that I believe that he knew that this decision was going to be happening when oh, he sure. met with the Notre Dame coaches for the Kentucky Derby. Is is where I'm coming? I think he knew that this sure. was going yeah. to be the case. Yeah. And he knew this job was eventually going to happen. And I'll be honest, I'm. (laughs) This is going to sound really petty, Sean, but one of the things that I have been was told over a year ago when his name was brought up that there were some, including like Jack Swarbrick, there were some rumblings that he might want Ron Paulus to be his successor, things like that. This was my first thought: is okay, it's not Ron Paulus. (laughs) Thank God. I mean,
1: based on based on. The boards, I think a lot of people have that same thought. <laughs> yeah. You're not alone. Like, okay,
2: I don't know anything about this guy, but it's not Ron Paulus, so that's that's a success. So, I mean, look, there's there's no way you can look at this hire, and if you're being objective about it, say it's a bad hire. There's no way you can look at this hire and say, oh, my gosh, he's going to do great at Notre Dame. We, we don't know, right? We don't know. You can just look at the resume and say, you know, how, how does his resume compare to that of Jack Swarbrick, for example? You know, what, what did Jack Swarbrick do before he came to Notre Dame? You know, I mean, so he he was a lawyer. You know, he was involved with what you may, may not want this to be discussed, but you know, was involved with the the U.S. Uh, women's gymnastics, gymnastics yeah. and and things along those lines. And so, um, it's it's not a it's it's he actually comes to this job with a little bit more. Oh, how do I say this? Um, a little bit more. I mean, really no different experience, maybe even a little bit more experience dealing in this world than what Jack Swarbrick had. You know, I think Jack Swarbrick was was doing what before he came to Notre Dame? He worked with, um, you know, the Indiana Sports Corps, uh, which, again, we're all big picture things where this is a situation where this guy is making deals uh, to get to get. Now, Jack was a finalist for the NCAA uh, job that Miles Brand eventually got. So it's not like he didn't have any experience with college athletics, but this guy's been in part of the things that are now moving college athletics, which is negotiating TV deals. Right. So at least he has that. And, and the biggest and I think Jack the biggest did,
1: question, yeah. like Jack Swarbrick had really the biggest question that we're talking about with. Exactly.
2: You know, with Bavakwa. Exactly. Right. And that's my point. Yeah. Right. He right. had no experience running a, Uh, department. He had no experience running an athletic department, but again, uh, being an AD at Notre Dame isn't a typical AD job. It's not about setting schedules. That's honestly something that you are kind of putting in somebody else in charge of, you know, where ADs and other schools are doing that. Your big job is you are, you are negotiating hundreds of millions of dollars, billions, billion dollar deals. I mean, that's the stuff that you're doing. You're, you're pushing for the fundraising for the crossroads project and building the new indoor facility. And, negotiating, you know, conference expansion and the and the college football playoff expansion and and all those big deals and those type of things, you're not the person running some of the day to day. And so what's going to be very important and where I believe in recent years Jack Swarbrick at times has faltered or fallen short is I think some of those hires have not been good enough. Ron Paulus being an example. So a big key for this job, un, even more so than any other AD job that I know of, Sean, mm-hmm. is you're gonna have to make sure that your associate ADs are very competent people because they're the ones doing a lot of the day-to-day stuff in the athletic department. Right. And that's a big part of this job too. We I don't know what kind of hiring experience. I mean, he obviously has hiring experience, but like six track record is the word I'm looking, the phrase I'm looking for here. I don't know what his hiring track record is. But that's going to be an important piece of this, too. Is is, it, is there going to be a shakeup in the athletic department? There are some people that flat out just need to go, if we're being honest, in the athletic department at the, the higher-up level. Is he going to come in and shake some of that stuff up, or is it just going to you know, do what Jack did when Jack first got here, which is, okay, I'm going to let all these coaches go a year, evaluate everything, see where everything right. is, and then start making decisions. So it's going to be very interesting to see how he does those type of things. And, and again, those are unknowns, but those are, those are the things that are going to also be part of how he's ultimately going to be judged and evaluated. I know some alums that are are happy about this. Obviously, Brady Quinn had a lot of good things to say about this. And, uh, you know, I, I, everything I've heard about this guy so far, Sean, has been great. It sounds sounds wonderful, but it's just it, this is a different animal, man. I don't know that you can ever truly be prepared for this particular job. Uh, and um, even if you've been an AD somewhere, I don't know if that necessarily prepares you for for. Cause the AD at Notre Dame basically does the job of the conference commissioners mm-hmm. more so than the job of what yeah. the Duke AD is doing
1: or he was at the negotiating table. Right. Right. Figuring out the college football playoff experience.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. With the other commissioners, not the AD and at with Alabama. With conference commissioners. Yeah, right. not, not right. school. He's sitting down with Greg yeah. Sankey, not whoever the AD at Alabama is. Right. I mean, right. that's the difference of, of being the AD at Notre Dame compared to being the AD at other schools. So. He's the business experience should certainly help and and give people some some. Uh, I mean, because to me, Sean, that's such an important. I mean, it, it sucks to be able to say that's the biggest thing, but it really is. Well, but it, I mean, it the, really the, is
1: the benefit that he will have that Jack Swarbrick didn't is this year on the job working with Jack Swarbrick yeah. and getting you know getting familiar with all these you know like you said, Jack Swarbrick's first year on the job he kind of sat back, let every you know all the coaches do their stuff and then started to make some evaluations and then some changes where Bavakwa was going to be on the job and point. He'll get to, you know, he'll kind of get to embed himself to whatever yeah. extent he wants with a lot of these. he's going
2: to get programs. to go through at least a full football season and most likely yeah. basketball season. Cause what we heard is Jack's going to step aside sometime in like the first quarter or so first half of the year of 2024, there has been no date given yet of the specific date of departure. So clearly it's going to be one of the things that'll just be, you know, let's see how things are going in this process. And and so you're right. That's a great point, Sean. He will have time to kind of sit back and evaluate, talk to people, get the lay of the land before he has to start making decisions. And he's not he also the because the, sometimes you may say, well, like, is this really the right way to go about it? You know, you're going to sit here and be an understudy. I think absolutely when you consider what's at stake right now for Notre Dame over the next six to eight, six to 12 months when you look at these big deals that are happening with the TV contract with the apparel deals, because honestly, if we're, if we're, if we really want to get to the nitty gritty of this, right, there's a lot of people saying, well, this guy's an NBC sports. And I know you're going to want to comment on this. So I'm going to kind of set you up. Okay. This guy's (laughs) an NBC sports. The big 10 just signed NBC. The big 10 wants Notre Dame. This is another, they just got in the AAU that is you know, key to the Big Ten, as if like Notre Dame needed that. The Big Ten wouldn't accept Notre Dame without that. That's a different story for a different day. And so is this a move for, the, for this? If anything, to me, these deals that they're about to sign are going to determine whether or not Notre Dame can remain independent moving forward. I've been told absolutely, that the goal of the school is, is the same. They want to remain independent. Uh, this is not the biggest, the the only big change we're going to see at Notre Dame in the next year either. I think the president is someone else who is not going to be at Notre Dame a whole lot longer. We're going to see a lot of the upper level leadership kind of retire and and in and time for the new era type of thing. So uh, th- th- there's going to be a lot going on, but this is going to be at the heart of it. If you can get the deal that right now we're hearing they're going to deal to, to get, that's the thing that's going to say Notre Dame can remain independent. Unless there's some situation where there's two leagues and they all say, you can't, we won't play you, which is not anywhere close to happening right now. So that's why this is an important time period, Sean, and why I do kind of like the transition period as opposed to just, okay, I'm retiring this date. This guy's going to take over that day. And then we go. I think having both of these guys in this situation involved in these negotiations are huge because the deals they're about to do are going to determine, like I said, the future of Notre Dame, big All picture, because if Notre Dame's getting a $35 million deal, a $40 million deal, including, you know, and then maybe you get the, it, whether that includes the, AB, the ACC money, you may say, hey, boy, pretty quickly, you're just not going to, you're going to be so far away from those other schools. If their number is kind of what you and I are hearing, the the ranges right now, the, the floor and ceiling ranges right now, That's all of a sudden saying, okay, Notre Dame is going to be just fine without a conference. And so but it's not the contracts aren't signed yet. It's not a done deal by any strat. And so I think we're entering a very pivotal period for the future of the University of Notre Dame athletics. And and having someone with this background now beside Jack Warbrick or along with Jack Warbrick. I think is uh, the one thing that I can say for certain I feel really confident about over the next six to six to eight months. I think this this part, that part right there is going to be really important. The other stuff we'll figure out later. But that part right there, because that whole Big Ten thing, Sean, I know you have some strong feel- feelings about, about <laughs> the assumptions and the leaps that people are making about this.
1: Well, yeah. And, you know, like a lot of other people, when I first saw that wow, they're hiring the NBC sports chairman. You know, like what's what's your initial reaction going to be? Oh, well, that automatically, you know, they've got a... They're TV signing with NBC, of, NBC yeah, and they're, they're going to go to the Big
2: Ten. 10. That's the two yeah. leaps that people are making.
1: And people have, you know, the, the Big Ten thing, that, you know, not as much for me, but yeah, the people are making that leap. Here's, I think, the most important aspect of this. What we've already talked about with Peter Bavacqua. He has negotiated... TV rights contracts on both sides both with the PGA with the TV partner and then as head of NBC Sports with the NFL and with the Big 10 those are his biggest ones there've been others you know like the Premier League and some other stuff as well but just because he he's only been with NBC for four you know for 4 years he hasn't it's it's not like he's an NBC lifer right and because he's got that relationship means that like he's He's working, you know, he's indebted to NBC, and he's going to try to make a deal, you know, for for NBC. He's a Notre Dame alum, first and foremost. You know, again, going back to the fact that he's a 93 alum. To me, the fact that he's got the experience with NBC, he's working for Notre Dame now. He no longer works for NBC. And again, he was only there for four years. The fact that he has all this background, though, with NBC, and before that with the PGA, negotiating other contracts means that he is he is arguably the most suited to be sitting in that seat and being a big part of the negotiation for the next TV contract. And you know, again, the fact he's he's a Notre Dame guy before he's an NBC guy, I think. Mm-hmm. And you know, so just you because hope. he's you it, well, right. Yeah, I mean, you would obviously hope, but again, he's only been at NBC for four years. You know, his his affiliation with Notre Dame because he went to Notre Dame played football for Notre Dame and has has had this relationship that goes back three decades plus so to me it's like this guy is going to have he knows what NBC as of right now like what their numbers are what they can afford when you're talking about negotiating a deal with them and then if you open it up with other networks involved, I think it only benefits Notre Dame.
2: Well, it's, it's kind of funny. If you think about it, Sean, when uh, a coach leaves Notre Dame and goes to a school that they're going to play, what's the first thought? Oh no, he's going to give them Notre Dame's playbook. Right. Well, same thing applies here. He knows the, he knows what NBC can afford to pay. Exactly. Notre Dame for football. He knows what other networks are willing to pay. He's been in the negotiations because when he's working out deals with the NFL, and if you look at some of the things that, that uh, you know, that they've purchased in his time, he was part of NBC, oversaw NBC's coverage of the, I'm just reading from the, the release today, oversaw NBC's coverage of the Summer and Winter Olympics, Major League Baseball, English Premier League, NASCAR, WWE, Kentucky Derby, IndyCar, Indy 500, Tour de France, French Open, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So when you're in those negotiations, you're not only aware of what you can do, you're aware of the numbers being thrown around by your competitors from other sides, okay. you know, where they are you know the deal, you know the number that CBS threw out in order to get more from of the Big Ten. You know what Fox is working with. You know what ESPN is working with. You know their strengths and you know their weaknesses. Hopefully he's able to use that to his advantage in these conversations. But even if this is sort of a, you know, in an, an NBC's, somebody said this is NBC's Trojan horse. I mean, it's a bit provocative, but let's just say take that part of it out. But even if this is part of the negotiation with NBC, the, the, you're doing this because he's not going to leave NBC to go run Notre Dame, knowing that NBC is about to screw Notre Dame on the TV deal, right? Even if that was part, like, let's just say, hey, look, we're gonna we're gonna get you over there. We're gonna get this deal. We want to be with you. You want to be with us. Here we're gonna go. You're telling me this guy's gonna leave the, his head, the head of NBC Sports, to go to Notre Dame, knowing that they're gonna about to get a really bad deal with NBC that that, that does not allow Notre Dame to compete with the conference that he just signed was a part of signing a deal with NBC, right? So, like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. He's taken this – move. He the only way you make this move, unless he's a complete idiot, and there's no way he's a complete idiot based on the success he's had and the things he's done, right? I mean, can we at least uh, assume that? He knows that Notre Dame's about to get in a good financial situation with these deals. He's very aware of these deals. There's literally Mm -hmm. no one else they could have hired that would be more aware of these deals other than Jack Swarbrick staying. I mean, is that is that fair to say? Yeah. So you've got to feel comfortable that if he's leaving NBC to come to Notre Dame, he knows that Notre Dame is in a good situation to either get a big deal from NBC or the other deals that are on the table for Notre Dame if they leave NBC. And so that's that's another reason that makes me feel like the numbers I was given yesterday make a lot of sense and potentially getting into the middle to upper echelon of that deal because you're not going to be able to hoodwink this guy if you're NBC, right? I mean, you're going to say, Hey, well, you know, we can really afford this. Uh, no, exactly. no, that's yeah. Yes, you can. I know you can. <laughs> yeah. Right. We know the value that Notre Dame brings. And, and so I think from a pure business dollars and cents standpoint, Sean, that alone, this is a, this is going to have an impact. In well, and
1: impact. And who does, who does independence, who values independence in this whole deal more than anyone else? It's, it's Notre Dame alums, right? They're the right. ones who always talk about, we, you know, we can't join a conference. We've got, you know, this is this is part of our identity. Jack Swarbrick is a Notre Dame alum as well, and we hear him talk about this all the time. And again, this guy himself is a Notre Dame alum who has played on the football team before. So he knows that his legacy is, is going to be attached to that as someone yeah. who is just now taking this helm. So I don't think he is going to take that lightly at all. You know, when right. when talking about, do we stay independent or do we join the Big Ten or or whatever other right. conference?
2: So it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out, whether it is NBC, whether it is him taking Notre Dame somewhere else. I mean, you, you know my thoughts on this. I'm done with NBC. I, I just, <laughs> you know, I, I'm tired of it. And, you know, part of me was like, well, hey, this guy knows NBC. Maybe he'll. But I'm like, yeah, but he's been part of the guy that that I think has kind of been involved in the fact that they just haven't taken Notre Dame football seriously enough. But again, he's looking at that from what's best for NBC standpoint. Now he's looking at it from the other standpoint, it's where it's now what's best for yeah. Notre Dame. And uh, hopefully, he and I he think will that could be things. a grayer area. You yeah. know, if
1: they if they stay with Notre Dame, exactly how he's able to impact that going
2: right. Forward. Yeah, we're, we're, right. Yeah, because that's the that's been my big beef with NBC is obviously for a while I had a level of loyalty to NBC because they first struck the deal with Notre Dame. They're willing to take yeah. that chance. But after it's a while, it's like, okay, you guys are treating Notre Dame like your minor league. You send these announcers that have never done anything that to train to, for the next job. Right. And, and, and now some of those guys have been very good. They did that with Tony Dungy and he was great. I mean, I thought Tony Dungy was him and Mike Tarico as a combination were excellent. Yeah. I thought so. But well. we always knew Mike Tirico was, was eventually going to move up and move on to Sunday night football or doing other things. You know what I mean? That was, and and then you knew that Tony Dungy wasn't going to be here at Notre Dame for very long. You knew that wasn't going to be true. Drew Brees, and then you get to have to deal with Jason Garrett, and it's like, okay, yeah, they're not Doug Flutie, but at least they're, you know, but they're still not good enough. And and you know, Jack Collinsworth and Jason Garrett being your 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 play by play tandem, it's like, yeah, you wouldn't do that for NFL. Oh, well, and, and you wouldn't go through throw two guys out there that are just like, well, we've never heard of these guys for an NFL game, right? So why do that with Notre Dame?
1: When this primetime deal starts this season, the 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 Big Ten play-by-play, you know, duo is going to be better than what Notre Dame yeah. has. Noah Eagle, I know a lot of people probably haven't heard Noah Eagle before. His dad is Ian Eagle. Yes, I know and, his dad. Right. And he's done, he's done like a couple of the, he's, he's been the LA Clippers TV voice for the last few years, you know, like right out of college. And it's, you know, again, it's, it's like, it's not a nepotism deal because, you know, because like the name can get you in the door, but right. you have to be able to deliver. Now that's been different. I know with the Jack Collins were situation, but, but trust me, when you watch the first primetime game, I've, I've, I've heard him a few times. He's done, you know, some of these, uh, you know, how, the NFL uh, has done these Nickelodeon games uh, mm-hmm. you know, for some playoff games the last couple of years. He's done some of those. I think he did a game for NFL Network last year. The guy has pipes, and he is he is legit. He, it, The Big Ten booth is going to be better than what, assuming Notre Dame is going to stay the same as what they had last year. The Big Ten booth in that primetime booth is going to be better than what Notre yeah. Dame had last Who's year. Who's the color guy for that? I'm trying to remember you know? now, off the top of my head. I'll, um, I'll, I'll find it here. It's going to hit
2: you like right in the middle of the show. We're going to be like yeah, mid sentence talking about something else, and you're just going to blurt out the guy's name. Like, oh, it's this. Like, oh, okay, great. <laughs> oh, it um, is. Uh, it's Todd Blackledge. He's coming. Okay, over from Todd ABC. Blackledge does a nice job. Yeah, he does, yeah. he's always yeah. done a nice job at ABC. Yeah. So it's it's going to be interesting, Sean. Those those aspects of it are are going to be fascinating. Those are ultimately deals that are done that are determined by NBC. But you have to use your leverage in this period to say, hey, look, we need insurances that the product is going to be better, and and that's going to be a big part of it. Because if this guy is worth his grain of salt, he's going to at least somewhat try to get the pulse of the Notre Dame fan base. And and look, I know that fans aren't as important as they used to be. I realize that. I don't like it. But if fans don't like a deal that's going to be lucrative for you, guess what? You're not going to care. You're going to sign the deal, even if all your fans hate it, because that's that's your job. But I think a smart AD, and this is something where I, I don't think Jack Swarbrick had enough thought. I don't think Jack Swarbrick put enough thought into what fans think about things and and his engagements with fans. I've never felt that he understood that if this guy's smart he's going to somewhat try to get a get a read into that and say hey look what's the whole point of getting the tv deal it's twofold right number one is to get your money but number two is what is the product that you're putting out there that's going to represent your institution and would you not want the best that you can possibly get hey look we're going to be on tv or you know you're going to be doing our you know over half of our games we need to know that you're taking this thing seriously and that you're going to put value in the production content. And honestly, to me, I could, I could. The 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 booth is important, but it's like secondary to me. It really is, because most of the time I don't even listen to the play by play. even when Dungey right. and Mike Tirico are doing it, when I'm watching the game, I'm not. i, I mute him anyway because I'm doing it for analysis sake, and I don't want to be influenced by something Tony Dungey might be saying. I need to be able to look and see it myself, and I may watch it later because I enjoyed listening to coach Dungey and he's, he's a a brilliant football mind, but Mm -hmm. I don't listen to that anyway. It's the production quality to me that I've always felt was severely lacking. In my opinion, the, the peacock network doing three spring games in a row and barely getting any better with all of them. Right. You know, it's like you clearly don't take Notre Dame as seriously as you do the NFL. And I get it because the NFL is a much more lucrative deal. But I want to see them uh, I want to see them to say hey look um, this is this is something you need to start taking us more seriously because if not we've got these other people that are willing to make these sacrifices and these changes for us and hopefully he can kind of swing that a little bit that that would be fun and hey look here's something else I hope that they do if, is, as now we're, as we're talking pipe dream, Sean it's okay for your Notre Dame broadcasts to have a Notre Dame slant I'm not talking about from the booth. I'm not talking about I don't need the I don't need a homer play-by-play guy or a homer color guy. I don't. But can we please stop having Stanford and Miami and all these other schools have be the guys that are doing doing the work at halftime and pregame? Yeah. Can we please get more Notre Dame guys involved in this process? They don't have to be even the hires, but make them be the guys that your TV people are interviewing. It's okay to you know you're a, it's a Notre Dame deal. You're not just covering college football and Notre Dame happens to be the game this is a Notre Dame deal it's right. okay yeah. to have Notre Dame people be your who you interview at the very least so I would hope that that would be something that they would approve as well I don't, I don't have high expectations agree, for that yeah. Sean but do uh, you get what I'm saying like I don't need two homers in the booth doing a tv game I, I don't I don't I don't think that's a good product no, you, either you don't have to
1: be a homer but you know they're and I realize a lot of people, if you're not a Notre Dame fan, you turn on the TV expecting a Notre Dame bias, I guess, anyway, even though they've mm-hmm. never put a Notre Dame person in that analyst booth. But you know, I would have no problem doing a three-man booth. If that's the compromise, if you could get, whether it's, you know, like a Golick or a Jerome Bett, whoever it happens to be, if you could get a Notre Dame alum in that booth and then you want to have another analyst in there and just make it a three-man booth for some balance, I wouldn't mind that, but you know, the question is, are they the best man for the job or the best person right. for the job? And right. I just, I don't, I don't think we've seen that with with a lot of whether it's analysis or, you know, obviously what we just had last year with the play by play.
2: Right. And 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 if and if the best guy for the job is not a no name guy for that role, I'm good with that. What what I'm what I'm more referring to is is what we see before, during, and at halftime of these games. You there know, definitely
1: like needs to be more actual yeah, Notre Dame flavor they're because playing like Notre Dame it's a Notre, Notre Dame home yeah. game and we are listening to the Kirk- Notre Dame.
2: Right, we're right. listening to LaVon Kirkland get interviewed at halftime of the Notre Dame-Clemson game. How about you interview some former Notre Dame player? Right. You know what I mean? Like, why are we talking to – we're always interviewing someone from the other team, this whole fairness thing. I don't want fairness. It's a Notre Dame broadcast. You're going to ultimately yeah. be successful because you are getting the – the higher majority of Notre Dame fans to tune in more and more frequently. And, and honestly, if they were really smart, they would understand that the more Notre Dame slant you get, the more you're actually going to get teams that hate Notre Dame to listen. Because what do people want to see nowadays? I don't like it, but people want to be mad. People want to be enraged. They want to, you know, true. why do you, why did people watch Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp yell at each other for a half an hour? It's not for the riveting analysis of sports. It's because they want to be mad. They want to they yell want- back at the TV. Yes. <laughs> and so like, if, if you want to get some non-Notre Dame people to watch, who are you going to get to watch? Okay, Notre Dame fans are going to watch. The team of the opponent they're playing is going to watch. But let's do something to kind of get those Notre Dame haters to watch so they can scream at their television because we still get paid, even if they're screaming at their television. And so I would actually lean into it a little bit more. Uh, but I just don't see that happening because I don't think they're smart enough to to realize that. Yeah,
1: I, I think you're exactly right. You know, just just the fact that you're paying all this money to do Notre Dame home games and you veer away from, you know, really embracing Notre right. Dame as an on-air product. But again, maybe, maybe that changes if there's some right. influence and some give and take. With, because with let's let's be
2: real about this, right, Sean? If Brady Quinn or Mike Golick Jr., two names that are thrown in there, are doing color for Notre Dame, if Ryan Harris is well, Ryan Harris might be a little bit different because Ryan's very outwardly pro Notre Dame. But that's I was gonna also say. He's doing, he's doing radio, yeah. But if it was Brady Quinn or or, or Mike Golick, they're not they don't they're not going to be like cute homers for Notre Dame, and I'd be willing to bet you that if Ryan Harris was in the booth for NBC, his how he would discuss would be would change a little bit as well because there's a difference between rate as you know sean there's a difference between the way you're doing radio and where you're doing tv because on radio people see nothing right you have to tell the entire story on tv there are certain things that people need to see they see i don't need to I don't need to explain every, you know, Hey, Notre Dame comes out, they break, they're going trips to the, to the field. And you know, no, now there's a, you don't need to do as much of that when you're doing when you're doing play-by-play because I can see that. Thank you very much. Uh, And so I think that to a degree, Ryan would change. He would be more of a, a pro Notre Dame guy, which I'd be fine with because he's really good. Him and Paul Burmeister, or who I thought, I I mean, honestly, that should be the TV crew to me. Everybody talks about Brady Quinn and Gus. Look, let's be honest. Those guys work for the networks. They're not coming over here. If Brady Quinn wanted to come, sure. Great. That's wonderful. Uh, I'd be totally fine with that. But you've got Paul Burmeister and Ryan Harris right there. There should never be a universe where your radio guys are significantly better than your TV guys. And that's been true at Notre Dame the last couple, at least the last the last couple of years where it's has
1: gone anyway. Right. Well, even yeah.
2: Tarico, Tarico is great, but the color got the, you know, the, except for the dungeon year, like when drew Brees, I didn't think was that good. Doug Flutie was terrible, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I think Paul Burmeister does a very good job. And I think that Ryan Harris would do a very good job at the very least. That should be your tandem, but we get stuck with Jack Sw- Jack uh, Collinsworth and, and, uh, Jason Garrett. Yeah. And I
1: mean, you <clears throat> Essentially, what Ryan Harris does right now on the radio, I agree. You know, you are doing. You know, they, he works for the Notre Dame radio network, right? Though, and and guys in his place, you know, like Dan Deerdorf left ABC and he went to work for the Michigan radio network. Those kind of guys can essentially play that up. They can play yeah. up their fandom and their affiliation with those teams. I mean, that's. But essentially, the, the way Ryan Harris is right now. Is exactly why probably NBC has never brought in a Notre sure. Dame alum and put in that boot sure. because that's what you now. At the same time, you can coach that up. You know, you right. just tell him. You know, you can't. There are certain things that you can't do. I completely agree with you on the Burmeister front. You know, in terms of you know the the play by play quality because the guy does TV. He did TV play by play before he became the Notre Dame radio network play by play. Guy. He's done I, a couple
2: of Notre Dame games when yeah. Rico uh, and yeah, some Times yeah, and I exactly. thought they did a great job.
1: Exactly. But the, I mean they they obviously don't want an over-the-top Homer analyst in the booth on on TV. And no, I think that's why they've avoided no and nor do I think that's why they've avoided ever doing that before, but it's, it's another thing when you've got USC and Purdue and Boston college guys sitting in that. Exactly.
2: And that's what we've had to deal with for how many years, right? First was Pat Hayden being a USC guy. Then it was Doug. Well, then it was Todd Christensen, a BYU guy. Right. You know, then it was who came after uh, Christensen. Um, You had like Bill Walsh in there for a period of time. Like this guy's literally coached against and beat Notre Dame. Why am I listening to like, why do I have to listen to him? you know uh, talk about notre dame games it's just it's always like why why are we always picking like rivals of notre dame exactly to, to do color for notre dame games it makes no sense and that's why I like Dungey no seemed like such a good fit and yeah. i don't understand why well and mayock was that way too may even though mayock played at bc i thought mayock was great yeah. you know i mean he he was tremendous and we don't get those guys enough you know and that's that's the that's the frustration that i think a lot of people have so well, we'll you know well will this this new hire have anything to do with that i I, I don't know I don't know but a guy can dream right <laughs> I think part of this too Sean is is um you know it's it's going to be interesting to see how the uh, Notre Dame tenure for Jack Swarbrick is ultimately viewed because I think right now it's very interesting you have these 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 three groups of people when it comes to Jack Swarbrick opinion right you have the people that say oh he's done nothing but phenomenal things in Notre Dame. And then you have the group that have say, well, he, I hate Jack Swarbrick. I can't stand Jack Swarbrick. They pick like three things that bad happened in football and they're never going to forgive him for those. And they're going to ignore all the other things. And it's just, I hate Jack Swarbrick. And then I think is the middle where I think most people should be, which is like anybody, there's things he did that I don't like. Some things he did, I despise, to be honest with you. But there's also a lot of things that he's done incredibly well. And when you really think back about where this sports program was in 2008 and 2009 when he first took over and then they look at Notre Dame now barely a decade past that what are we at like 13 14 going into year 14 of the Swarbrick tenure I believe and you look at where they are now I mean there's some things that we should look at and say you screwed up there but you're gonna have to look back in my opinion on the Jack Swarbrick era and say but man, he took the he took Notre Dame athletics a very long way in a little over a decade, and um, we're all excited about what this football team is going to be. And uh, you know, some of it has to do with Jack Swarbrick. A lot of it has to do with the coaches and the teams and all that. But I mean, you, you, he's he's done a lot of good, Sean. And I have a feeling that the further away we get from him, the the more favorable people favorable favorable view people will have assuming that the three big hires he made out the door pan out. And that's Marcus Freeman, Niel Ivey, and Micah Shrewsbury. Ultimately, their success is going to de- determine how he's viewed, but his success goes way beyond that when you look at just bringing Notre Dame into the modern world. And Because people are complaining about, about, you know, you had Tim Priester on, and there's a lot of people complaining about, what brian pullian said and i don't give a crap what brian pullian said because he was part of the excuse making tandem at notre dame where they would always blame something else oh you can't recruit big time players until marcus freeman showed up you know what i mean like (laughs) uh oh you can't recruit elite offensive players until marcus freeman showed up right Uh i mean it's just the excuse making bull crap hey we we uh we uh lost to northwestern and decided to go for two and you know in the second half when we're up 11 uh because we don't have a chef you know what i mean like i can't stand that crap right? I get tired of that crap, you know, but, but my whole thing is if you're complaining about that now go back and look at where it was when Charlie Weiss's tenure ended, ended. Exactly. And look at what the facilities were like then when their indoor facility was the loftest. And that was actually until somewhat recently, that was their indoor facility. Not that long it was ago. was the loftest yeah. And you look at where they are now. He's also done a lot of really good things during his tenure at Notre Dame that, that I think, if the hires he makes are successful, then people will start to look at those things more favorably as well. That's my opinion. If they're not successful, then people are just going to focus on the things he did that, that they didn't like. And there's, there's plenty of that as well. And when you're going to be the AD, it's like being president, right? You're going to do things that are just, some people are going to love and some people are going to hate. It's just, it's just the reality of it, but that that's going to be interesting, but it's ultimately going to be defined in my opinion, Sean, by how well those three hires do for Notre Dame. Yeah, exactly. I
1: mean, that's, and they're, they're all relative, you know, like Neil Ivey came first and then Marcus Freeman, obviously not long after, and we just saw it at Shrewsbury. So there's a lot that has to play out. Ivey's off to a good start with a couple of sweet 16s in the last couple of years. But like you look at that, that tenure, 15 years Swarbrick had at Notre Dame, Moose Kraus is the only other athletic director with a longer tenure. At Notre Dame, he was he was the AD from 1949 to 1981, remarkably, and Swarbrick's got the next longest tenure. And I just saw something. So I can't remember what the exact number of national championships are, but the national championships won by Notre Dame in that 15 years, no one else has, you know, no other athletic director has at at any school across the country. you know, the, the only downside, I guess, if you want to put an asterisk or whatever, is none of them were in football. You know, so right. when you're talking Notre Dame. And
2: that's ultimately like, yeah, there's someone in the thing saying now talking about how you hamstrung Marcus Freeman and I'll never forgive him for that. And it's like, but that's just how some people are. Right. They're going to take that couple things that they perceive to be as this negative thing and look at the football team never won. Because they don't care that the lacrosse team won a national championship. They don't care that exactly ball won a national championship, or it's nice. The men's but, basketball team to yeah. win the two elite eights or anything like that. They don't care about that. Oh, you got brand new facilities in basketball, whatever the case may be. It's Hayden won a championship football, and he did this one thing that I didn't like. I hated what he how he did how he, how the whole thing with Tommy Reese, and not that I had a problem because my whole point with that whole thing with Tommy Reese was I'm pretty I'm pretty confident, like in, incredibly confident that if Marcus Freeman would have been allowed to make whatever hires he wanted to, that he would have hired kept Tommy Reese on his offensive coordinator. I'm, I'm very confident in that, but the way that it was done created an environment in which you almost created tension where none needed to exist. Mm-hmm. And there just were things like that, you know, the Andy Ludwig situation. And this has been my whole issue with Notre Dame going back to before Jack Warbrock, but it's been one of the issues of Jack Warbrook as well is there's the unforced errors that, that just didn't need to happen. Right. And, and I think part of the reason that happened goes back to what I said earlier is he didn't always surround himself with the best people when it came to running the day-to-days of football and, and, and athletics. A mistake like that never would have happened in negotiations of, for the, a new TV deal or an apparel deal or you know some deal with the you know, college football playoff expansion because he, he would have handled that himself and he would have surrounded himself with more competent people. But there's too many people from an athletic level, to me, in my opinion. I know you deal with this in other sports as well, Sean, where it's like, this is Notre Dame and that's who you have in that position. Like, really? That that's the that's the best you can do at the University of Notre Dame is that right there? Come on, man. And I think that's the thing that I that I think Jack Swart was a big mistake by Jack Swarbrick was not having enough competent people in those positions. Uh, that maybe we're willing to say hey you know maybe not question him because i think that can come across as like undermining and disrespectful but be willing to say to push back i guess is another way saying no 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 we need to we need to be thinking about doing it this way and i think that's something that, that is gonna that but to a lot of people sean that overshadows so much of the other things that are going on and what have gone on and the fact that you know now we're the football team is a, a program that we expect to you know, Compete for playoff berths and championships and those type of things. The facilities need a lot of work in the Goog, but the stadium now is outstanding. All the changes there—you got a, You got an outstanding indoor facility. The new basketball facilities are supposedly like outstanding. I haven't seen them yet, Sean, but I, I know a lot of people say that they're they're really good now. You could probably speak to that greater. Mm-hmm. Those things are always going to be ignored because Jack Swarbrick was perceived to be a stumbling block to the football team getting where they need to be. Some of that is misguided. Some of that is, I don't know how I can argue with you on that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that was his intention, but that was the result. And, uh, you know, I think those are things, you know, know, some people are going to say, hey, you know, great job being smart and keeping Kelly because look what Kelly did afterwards. And other people are going to say, you should have fired him in 2016 and then gone out and hired so-and-so. And and those are just ultimately going to be things that people are going to debate until Notre Dame wins again. And if Notre Dame wins with Marcus Freeman, then you're going to have to look back and say, Jack Swarbrick played a role in that because it will be partly due to the, the new him hiring Marcus Freeman. Yeah. And then of course Indirectly. these yeah. new deals and such that he's going to do, because look, Notre Dame should never be using money as an excuse for anything I've never bought. That's always been BS. No, I agree. But when these new deals are signed, I definitely don't want to hear that, that there's money issues or that you can't afford to have a top five highest paid coaching staff, or that you can't afford to, you know, go, go renovate the Goog and things now. No, you got the money. You just signed the deal with so-and-so. Well, that's going to go back to blah, 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 bull crap, make your football teams better. And then you're going to make even more money off of those investments that you can then put back into those other, other aspects, but use this money to get the football program where it needs to be the basketball programs where they need to be. Then when you start winning there, and the more and more money starts pouring in because this happens all the time. When teams win, donors start giving more money. Right. Uh, non-donors become donors, right? The no, Wealthy Notre Dame football fans become donors, right? I mean, that's all part of it. And uh, if this guy's smart, he'll understand that we've got to figure out a way to make our football team competitive for championships without sacrificing the heart of what makes Notre Dame Notre Dame. I still care about that. I don't know if the leadership at Notre Dame still cares as much about you know that, to be honest with you, but I do. Um, so if they can find a way, and you, and I think they can do it, they just have to say, we're willing to make certain changes, and we're going to do certain things, and we're, we're going to be willing to, in, uh, to, to make NIL a big part of who we are for our student-athletes. Do not do it for recruiting, but for our student-athletes. We're going to go make sure that our facilities are – there's a difference between the arms race and what we're talking about arms races, I don't need a freaking pool inside, you know, I don't need a slide inside my football facility like <laughs> it was like Clemson or Georgia, right? Like I uh, some of these things like, dude, I don't need that. I don't, I don't need air conditioned helmets, you know, or, or whatever other silly thing that some teams are doing. But there absolutely needs to be a dining hall for for athletes. There absolutely needs to be that. There absolutely needs to make sure that the weight room and strength conditioning programs are top-notch. And I've done said all this before. You need to absolutely make sure that your your mental health department that you have for student-athletes, especially in today's world, is as good as anybody in the country. You need to be trendsetters in those areas that do not sacrifice the integrity of your school like, hey, we're going to start paying high school athletes millions of dollars to come play football here. Or, or we're gonna, you know, we're gonna lower our academic standards so a kid that can barely read and write gets into Notre Dame and we'll just get him through for three years until he gets in the NFL or get him through for a year until he's the number one NFL, you know, NBA draft We're not gonna do that. I support that. I'm with that. But that's not the stumbling block that's keeping you from winning. This notion that academic standards, no, that's bullcrap. I've pointed. Keon Keely was a three five, right? Peyton Bone was a three three. I think GPA wise. Dante Moore was a 4.0 student his last two years of high school. Academics were not your issue in last year's recruiting class. There were other issues. Some you can control, some you can't. Right. And until you get an AD that understands, hey, we got to stop pinching pennies and be willing to – because Notre Dame, in my opinion, is too much into they're the kind of people that want to save all their money and then put it in the stock market and then let it grow and do all that. And that's fine. But to me, the true heavyweights and you know, financial heavyweights are people that understand the value of that with part of my portfolio, but then also saying, But I'm a business and part of growing a business is I'm gonna I'm gonna invest in growing here because I know that investment is going to result in us making a lot more money. Look at our business, Sean. I mean, you look at what this company was making a couple years ago, and now I'm paying a whole lot more out than I was. 2 years ago but so you know those those checks hurt a little bit sometimes <laughs> but you know what but we're bringing in a lot more now too because you guys are the return on that investment has far ex- you know has far exceeded my expectations of where we could be right i mean that's that's the whole point and that's how i feel like right. with the football program is you got to be willing to spend money to make money sometimes exactly and you got to find that balance and i feel like Notre Dame doesn't understand that balance enough uh, and they they use phrases like, "Well, we're not going to get into an arms race. No one's asking you to. I don't need I don't need you to have all these silly things that some of these other people. I don't need you to have an arcade in the Goog. I do not care about that. I don't. I really don't. But th- you know, these things over here, these should be non-negotiables. And and these are the things that really matter to you building a championship football team. And until they're willing to embrace that, until the new, until they find an AD that's willing to embrace that, they're always going to get in their own freaking way. And I think that's the legacy. That some people were just never able to get past Jack Swarbrick, even when you look at the billions of dollars that they've spent investing in the football program. When you look at the Crossword, well, about a billion dollars, the Crossroad Project, the indoor facility, you know what they've paid coaches, the new field, all those, t- the new basketball facilities. I mean, you're getting up to around a billion dollars. But the people say, yeah, but look how much they've made. Those sports have made as well, and I and that's where that's where you kind of get into some like, yeah, okay, well, we're going to see if this new guy gets it. And that we don't know. That's what makes the whole Jack Swarbrick's legacy conversation, Sean, very interesting and very interesting. No, for sure. And, you know,
1: again, I think a lot of it, a majority majority of it is going to be tied to the success of these three head coaches that you talked about. You know, from right off the top that he hired Marcus Freeman, Neil Ivey, uh, Micah Shrewsbury. That's that's going to go a long way toward how we feel about it. I mean, when you look over the course of these 15 years, I mean, there were definitely a lot of good things that he has done. You know, like you've talked about and I agree with everything that you're talking about there needs to be more reinvestment in, in what you're bringing in. It it can't just be, you know, okay, we're going to push this to the bank because the more you continue to invest, especially where we are right now, you're right. We don't, you know, they don't, they don't need all these crazy bells and whistles, Mm -mm. but they need, you know, the minimum stuff like a, like a dining hall for, for the team.
2: That should be something no one is disagreeing about right now, Sean.
1: Right. That's a bare minimum, I think.
2: Right. The, the, let me ask you this, Sean. Will his legacy be complete if the basketball, let's say N- Niall Ivy wins a championship or two, just for argument's sake, Michael Shrewsbury takes him back to the Final Four, even wins a national championship? Will that be enough if Notre Dame doesn't win a football championship? I mean, I feel like it w- st- that still won't really be enough if they don't win a football championship. But I really feel like they have to win a football championship for for your legacy to truly to be complete as an AT at Notre Dame. That's just my my opinion. I agree because
1: it's it's all about football. you know again there there are people who care about these other sports. We all you know to to some degree care about sure. these other sports. but bigger picture, people donate that money by and large because of how they feel about Notre Dame football right. and the connection to Notre Dame football. that's right. and and we're what at 35 years now and counting, Since Notre Dame football last won a national championship. And that's, it's, it's, it'll be great if both basketballs win another national championship, but it's, it's still going to be about what happens with the football team at the end of the day.
2: Yeah. It's going to, it's going to be interesting, Sean. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing kind of how this goes. I, I think sometimes the unknown can be fun. You know, it, it can be entertaining. It's like, okay, well, we don't know what's going to happen, but at least, like with Jack Swarbrick, you're you're like, man, I hope he does this, but you're like, but after 15 years, it's, it, it's let's be honest, he's yeah, he's not changing, right? I mean, <laughs> you just he's not changing, and uh, you know, now there's that fresh blood that you can kind of maybe there's that that time for optimism now, but I, I, you know, I I do think that that when you ultimately look back at Jack Swarbrick's tenure, there was a lot more good than there was bad during the tenure and um you know he had to see them through some some issues and there were certain things he did to see them through those things that I had a problem with I I still dislike how they kind of just I feel like they surrendered with that academic scandal quote-unquote scandal where I felt like why'd you surrender you did what you're you did the right thing you found out this was happening you dealt with it you know and then you just you just kind of surrendered with the vacating and the losses and things like that. They're just whereas you watch the the North Carolina people, they're literally running fake classes for athletes. Oh yeah. And they basically punk the NCAA to the point where saying, "Okay, do something about it." Oh, yeah. you want to do that? We're going to sue you. and the NCAA back down. They're cowards. But Notre Dame just kind of rolls over whenever the NCAA kind of slaps them on the wrist for something they shouldn't be slapped on the wrist for. They they should that, that whole academic thing, they should have been praised for how they handled that. Hey, a few kids cheated. Some girl who wasn't, you know, an employee. She was a tutor and did something like what like this training staff or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. They they were cheating. We found out, they were all suspended. We did that. We said, hey, this isn't who we are. We self-reported. We did it the right way. And the NCAA smacks Notre Dame in the face for it. Right. And then Notre Dame, you know, kind of fought it to a degree and then eventually just rolled over. North Carolina is running fake classes for athletes. And nothing really ever happened right? because North Carolina said, we know ultimately you can't do a dang thing and we're going to show it because we're going to punk you all the way until you just give up and hope that everybody forgets about it, which now they have, right? How many How many wins did North Carolina vacate for the fact that they had basketball players, I think on a championship team, taking fake, not real classes, which to me is way worse than some girl writing a paper for me. Right. You know? So um, those are, some of those things are things that I get a little frustrated by. But it doesn't, it doesn't ignore the fact that when I go to Notre Dame Stadium and I think about what it looked like my first year covering the team in 2010, and I think about what it's like now, facilities-wise, it's great. But you know what's not as good? They showed a lot more respect to the people that covered the program back then when <laughs> I covered the team than they do now. So those are other things that I look at and say, you know, you're you've created an unnecessarily adversarial relationship with people that just you didn't need to do fans, you know, media. And you wonder how the new what the new A.D.'s approach is going to be to those type of things. I hope it's a little bit different. I don't yeah. think Jack Swarbrick did those things on purpose. I just think he didn't care. So he delegates to someone else and then they're the ones making those changes ultimately is what I think is going on. So we'll, we'll see how it all. We'll see how it all turns out, but uh, it's a very complicated tenure, that's for sure. I think so. In my opinion.
1: What do you, What do you think are a couple of the biggest feathers in his cap out of this? Well, I just, thing?
2: I mean, really, Sean, uh, I don't think he gets enough credit for what he did to fend off the first attempt at mega conferences, because Notre Dame is in such. You remember this is about 2010 and 11. And it was when Texas was talking about going to the Pac-12, and there was going to be these big super conferences. And right. remember, the Pac-12 was kind of big time back then. Yeah, and uh, you know, and 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 he had a big role in sort of, hey Texas, you stay where you are. You do this, you do that. Don't do this. You know, he was a, played a he was a heavy mover and shaker in lim- eliminating the first attempt at super super conferences. We were like say, well, hey, they're going to have that anyway but Notre Dame is in such a better place to wield power now in that universe than they were then. I mean, they were a dumpster fire of a program when that was going on back then, if you remember, Sean. I mean, they mm-hmm. were just coming out of the Weiss era. Kelly hadn't done anything yet. And so you know, now Notre Dame is, is, is see, got a seat at the table for college football playoff expansion, You know where it's like, hey, this is going to happen. Let's make sure that we do this in a way that's going to help us. And so I think that's that's a big one to me. And then the other one for me is just walk around campus for five minutes near the athletic facilities, and then just close your eyes and remember what it was like fifteen years ago. Absolutely, and I think that's a big part of it as well. Campus looks, like if you, if you
1: haven't been to campus since Jack Swarbrick took over fifteen years ago. I mean, it's it's a completely different looking campus, and and the facilities are mm-hmm. are a huge huge part of it. And I mean, you know, like you talk about fending off the super conferences and I, and I know that there's not a lot of people who like this ACC agreement, but you know, it's, it really, you know, it did this agreement with the ACC. It is, it has helped Notre Dame maintain its independence and, uh, you know college football especially is already at a completely different place than when they joined yeah. the ACC. What's, what's that been? How many years has it been now?
2: It's like 13, right. Is, is when it was it announced
1: at this point. Yeah. Yeah. 13 well, was, yeah. But I mean, that is, that has helped Notre Dame maintain that independence and it yes. gave them a fallback, you know, in case some of these seismic shifts happened and, and yeah. so far they're, they're able to keep that. And by the way, it also, you know, they, they get a cut of that TV money
2: as well. I've never understood the pushback to the ACC deal. I actually think that was a great deal. Mm -hmm. The big East was dying. I have no desire to go to the big 10. I guess that's part of it too, is if you're always someone who deep down secretly wants Notre Dame to be in the big 10, then you're not like them going to the ACC. What other conference would it have made sense for Notre Dame to leave for at the time? Not the big 10. I don't think you have so much more in common as an institution with schools in the ACC than you do with the big 10 other than geography. The only thing Notre Dame has in common with the majority of the Big Ten schools outside of maybe Northwestern and then Michigan to a degree uh, is geography. That's it. Yeah. If yeah. nothing else in common with most of the Big Ten. You have a lot in common with Duke. You have a lot in common with Georgia Tech. You have a lot in common with teams like Virginia, teams like that, even though they're a public school. It's a very high-level liberal arts institution. And so you have a lot more in common with Miami as an institution than you do anyone in the Big Ten other than Northwestern, because a friend of mine was like, "Well, why is why is Miami in the AAU? Are they a good academic school?" And I'm like, "Yeah, it's a very good academic school. It, just people don't think that because they think of the U and you know that whole persona. But there was like there was the football program, and then there was the I mean, think the U documentary did a great job of of kind of explaining the difference between the football program <laughs> and the rest of the school uh, and, and how it really was so. Uh, to me, I've always felt the ACC deal was great, and I think it's been huge for recruiting. I mean, we're talking about how well they've done in Virginia, in North Carolina, in Georgia. That, a lot of that has a, has to do with the fact that these kids have grown up. If you think about it now, Sean, kids that are going into their senior year, kids that are going into uh, the 2024 recruits, right? You're talking about kids that were seven, six, seven, eight years old when Notre Dame joined the ACC. So, they, so these kids in Virginia and North Carolina and South Carolina and Georgia have grown up watching Notre Dame come to their state every year and play football games. That You grow up in that, and all of a sudden Notre Dame becomes more of a, yeah, I know Notre Dame. I've seen them play. They play so-and-so. And there's it, it opens up that part of the country, which Jack Swarbrick, I think, was a, a, a wise to notice this. That was a because if you're if you're smart and you want to follow recruiting, you've got to know population shifts. Mm-hmm. You can't say, "Well, yeah, Lou Holtz recruited this player out of Michigan and that player of Pennsylvania and this, and they should recruit those areas more." I, I, I always said this: Sean, go look at the electoral college numbers for Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan in 1988 when Ronald when uh, it was uh, that would be Bush and um, was it Bush and Dukakis right when they were running for president in '88, right? Go look at the the, the the electoral numbers for those states, compare them to like Georgia, Florida, North Carolina, then, and then go compare it now. And what you'll realize, there has been a seismic population shift in the nation in those 35 years, which is going to impact where players are coming from. Right. And there's just a ton more kids. I did that article the other day, Sean, where I talked about the top five states in producing NFL talent in North Carolina and Georgia were both in the top five. You're now playing teams from those states pretty regularly, and you're playing on the East Coast pretty regularly because of that ACC deal, whether it's the Notre Dame football team or the basketball team's always playing games there, the baseball team and stuff like that. So I think the ACC deal has been great for Notre Dame, and it's, it's getting them playing games in front of, one of the two regions that has seen the most population shift in the last 20 years, the Southeast and then the Southwest are the two areas where we've seen giant population shifts. Cause that's where jobs are, right? As manufacturing jobs go away and those things like that, and things get shipped overseas, blah, 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 blah. People look for jobs and those jobs have been in the South. And so that's where people go. Right. And so you've now got signed a deal that gets your football team and your basketball team and your baseball team and your other sports playing in front of those, of those schools every single season. And I think – so I think the ACC Seals have been great. And I think something else that, that Jack Swarbrick should be remembered by is he played a pretty big role in the 2020 college football season happening. Very yeah, big role. Yeah, absolutely. as well. Absolutely.
1: I think that's easy to forget. <laughs> at, you know, just like look at, look at the Big Ten that everyone thinks that – you know, not everyone, but a lot of people think Notre Dame should just – Jump over to, they were the Big first. Big was team. dying to cancel football that year. Yeah, they did. They canceled it. That was the first decision Kevin Warren had to make. He's getting all the pats on the back now for the TV contract that he ended up signing. And then, you yeah. know, by the way, little details of that seem to slip through the cracks. But, yeah, I mean, he canceled the football season. Yes. Pac-12 canceled the football season. And, and they John, didn't bring it back until after Notre Dame in the ACC. Exactly.
2: And not only did they cancel, he tried to get other conferences to cancel. Mm-hmm. So he tried to get the Big 12 to cancel. And if Notre Dame doesn't join the ACC, they would have probably, it would have probably, the SEC probably would have been the only team, really, the only Power Five playing that year. Exactly. Maybe the Big 12. I think the ACC would have stopped playing if Notre Dame doesn't join. I, I, I do. And so you talk about the Big 10 playing. There's two, there's two people responsible, in my opinion, for the Big 10 playing football in 2020. It's Jack Swarbrick and Jim Harbaugh. That's it. Because Harbaugh and his team were about the only, team that I can remember that made a lot of noise a lot of noise about this isn't right we should we want to play we need to play and their president at the time was was one of those guys along with Kevin Warren just dying to get the football season canceled and he's since been fired and in in shame and, and those type of things and he was not a good guy either but those are the two guys to me that if it's not for those two guys And the moves they did in completely different ways. I don't think I don't know that the Big Ten plays in 2020 because if Notre Dame doesn't play, the Big Ten doesn't play. Yeah, and and that was a playoff year for Notre Dame. It was a big year for Notre Dame. Yep. So there's been a lot of good that's come out of the Jack Swarbrick tenure, and that's what makes the unnecessary stub subbing of your toe uh, important. Like people talk about, well, Brian Kelly did a great job turning the program around after 2016. No, he didn't. Jack Swarbrick did. Jack Swarbrick's the person who drove the hire of Mike Elko and Chip Long. And and they're the ones that are are played the big role. Bob Diaco called. Brian Kelly was getting ready to hire a guy from Stanford or from USC strength program after 2016. Some guy was like, you've got to be kidding me. I remember not being (laughs) happy about it. Bob Diaco calls him. Because remember that year, Sean, that was when Diaco got fired like really late. Uh It was like January. They fired him late so they didn't have to pay him. Right. So Diaco calls Kelly and he says, Hey, I got the strength coach you've got to hire. And so, what Kelly was going to try to do is get them two to, there to be co strength coaches together. And the other guy didn't want any part of that. And so, that's how Matt, that's not who Brian Kelly went out and got. You know what I mean? If Bob Diaco doesn't pick up the phone and call him, we're dealing with the U.S. And if you remember, U.S.C. wasn't exactly a juggernaut mm-hmm. in strength conditioning at the time. And so, it was Jack Swarbrick that did a lot of that stuff that was responsible for the turnaround at notre dame is he went out and said hey we're gonna we need to get these guys and get that's because what people a lot of people don't know kelly was looking for you know this sean kelly was and his agent were looking for he wanted out right they were trying to get any kind of job they, they tried to push the you the lsu job on them lsu kind of laughed at him at the time and they hired tom i'm like bro you just went at four and eight like i i, I would get I'd get strung up if I hired you. Like right you say? Now. Wasn't there like talk about the Eagles again, or like some yeah. other NFL? Yeah, team at that Lions, point? Lions like maybe was... something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I mean, he was dying to get out of Notre Dame, and so while he's doing that, Jack Swarbrick's over here bringing in Mike Elko. You know, getting Chip Long, and then Kelly gets on board at the end, and that's not that's not rumor. That's coming from very, I'll just say this, very cool, good sources on those negotiations, and I'll just leave it at that. But, um, you know, he he's done a lot of good things, a lot of good things. It's just the the stub stubbing of the toe unnecessarily things that kind of frustrates you, because you can see when Jack cares about something, he gets it done. Yeah. And That's so true. it's like they could have had this other things that we're talking about. They could have had this stuff done years ago if it was a priority to him. And that's, that's kind of been the frustration for me. And sometimes I think his ego would get in the way a little bit. You know, hey, I did a great job with Elko and Chip Long, so let me make sure that I got Tommy Reese here, mm-hmm. you know, before I hire a head freaking coach. Right. You know, and just some things like that that you just look at and say, man, you let it be known that you're willing to pay Tommy Reese whatever Alabama would pay him, but you can't, buy, you can't pay the freaking buyout for Utah, you know, to get Andy Ludwig. You know, so all that kind of stuff is like, that's the stuff that people focus on a lot more. And I think I understand it. I just wish more people could say, hey, take a step back, look at this holistically, and say, yeah, I didn't like that, that, that. But, man, he's done a lot of good things at Notre Dame as well. Right. And took over a time when Notre Dame – I mean, you remember how bad Notre Dame's football field looked like at the end of seasons? Oh, yeah. You know, last three, four years before the turf came in? Mm-hmm. I was like, guys, this is ridiculous. Absolutely. You know, pushed back against a lot of the, the old heads that didn't want the scoreboard you know, and just, I mean, there's just been so many good things he's done for Notre Dame and college football that I just have a hard time looking at his tenure and saying it's anything less than a, a really good tenure. It's, you're never going to, I can't say great. Cause ultimately your success is defined by what Sean, did you win a championship? championships? Yep. And he didn't at, in football. They've won a lot in other sports, women's basketball, you know, lacrosse fencing's one, 112 (laughs) you know but it's football but um it just that tends to overshadow a lot of the other good things that i think he's done in his tenure he's just done a couple things i think sean that some people just view as like unforgivable sins and i think that's kind of odd uh for people that uh, root for a a catholic institution (laughs) i just find that a little very true i just find that a little bit strange it's an unforgivable sin uh really (laughs) <laughs> really okay sure go to confession Whatever. i need to step out for just a
1: minute i'll be right back okay
2: yeah all right so that's going to kind of that's going to kind of wrap up i think this part of the conversation here um it, look we, we don't know a lot about pete, pete bavacqua in regard to specifically what he's going to do but we're going to learn over the next seven or eight months and we'll we'll continue to to try to talk to people and get as many as many good sources and intel as we can on, uh, on what he's going to bring to the table and uh, the changes he's going to make or not and go from there. So we're we're going to move on to the mailbag next. We don't have a ton of questions just yet, but if you guys want to get your questions in, start dropping them in now and we're going di- to jump over to the mailbag in a second. But before we go to the mailbag folks, do us a favor, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. And of course some of these questions are going to still be about this topic, but hit that notification bell, share this podcast, give us a five-star review check out our merch store down there. And Hey, listen, if you sign up for the message boards at boards if you haven't done so, come on guys, you got to sign up. It's uh, it's definitely worth it, but you also get a discount to the merch store. So if you want to buy some merch and you're not on the message board, sign up for the message board and, uh, and we'll go from there and, um, and uh, we'll get you an e- I'll get you an email. You'll get your, your, uh, your discount code in there and all that kind of stuff. So definitely take advantage of that. <laughs>